All right, guys. Thank you guys for being so patient. I know we started at, we're supposed to start at five, but we had some technical difficulties, but we're here now. Um, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode of the Kingdom Over Culture podcast. Got our brother right here, Danny, coming in from Tucson. And then uh, we got Izzy over here on the left side, co-hosting. So yeah, man, just want to start the testimony off here with what has God done in your life, brother. Um, what is that recently or just your testimony, how God came through and, oh man, um, I'll give you the, the short and sweet. Yeah. Um, um, I was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona, you know, um, how transparent can I be right here? Transparent as you want to be. I was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. I first tried alcohol when I was two. Um, I was molested when I was six. I molested again when I was 12. At the age of 18, I was on a fish ring and killed from me. charge you know so i was just in and out of prison from 2008 all the way until fast track all the way to 2018 mm-hmm. you know i got out in 2017 and i stayed sober i got in 2014 i got a four-year bid um went to prison i stayed sober that whole time and then i got out in 2017 i did good for like three months you know it was a normal routine and then i uh went right back to the streets started doing drugs again started selling drugs again you know um and then 2018, I got violated my parole, got back out after a month, you know, and got went right back to selling dope. You know, my mom told me, she was like, you can't come back home this time. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom, she's a believing woman. She's a God-fearing woman. She's um, believed in God just about my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, she's always prayed for me. I remember there'll be times where um, she would lock herself in the room <clears throat> and I'd be like, oh, my mom, okay. She'd say, I'll go in the backyard. I'm like, yeah, my mom's in the room. She's not going to come outside. I go in the backyard and go smoke a blunt or something, you know. Yeah. You know, two hours pass by and she's still in the room. I'm like, what's going on? So I'll go put my ear to the room. I wouldn't hear nothing, you know. So I open the lock, you know, open the room, the door, just a little bit, and I see her on her hands and she's crying out to God. Oh, like wow. four or five hours at a time, you know. So my mom was always a praying woman and she'd always tell me, if you're going to be doing drugs or you're going to be selling drugs, um, it's not going to be happening here because if you have traffic coming over here, cops come over here, they can take my house. You know, on top of that, this is a godly home. So in 2018, she's like, you can't come home. So I got out, went home, got my money, got my car, got my clothes, you know, when I picked up my ex-girlfriend and she was holding on my dope, went back, back to selling dope. You know, that's the way I live my life, you know. And then 2018, um, got a car accident. It was November 30th, I got into a car accident. Got rear-ended, and I had a two millimeter bulge poking into my lower left side of the nerve. I couldn't walk, you know, I was in crutches. I had um, braces on both knees. And so I was just getting tired of living that lifestyle. You know, I was, no, it was October 30th, I got an accident. No, November 30th, I got an accident. Yeah, I was tired of living that lifestyle. You know, I remember right before the accident on Thanksgiving, um, my ex-girlfriend, she was up all night, you know, so she, she fell out on Thanksgiving day and I was like waiting right there for her. I was like, we gotta get ready, we gotta go eat, you know, we're gonna go do all that. And she slept for like two days straight, you know. She was just out, and I was like, oh man. She woke up after a couple of days, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know, I'm tired of living like this. Because I accepted Christ when I was a child. You know, I had my first encounter. I got baptized when I was 12. I received the, the gift of the Holy Spirit when I was 12, speaking in other tongues, you know, and all, and all that. You know, I just didn't know what it was like to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't know what it was really like to connect with the Father, you know, um, the way I do now. And <clears throat> so I told her, I said, you know, I don't want to live this life I'm tired of living this life, you know. And she, I said, I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to start serving God. She just laughed at me, you know. And she was like, he's going to sell drugs forever, you know. Yeah. And um, so the same thing happened, you know. I was going through the um, car accident and everything. And then Christmas came, you know. And I was still on the crutches. I was still struggling and everything. And uh, she fell out again, you know. I remember I was wrapping presents Christmas Eve and everything because my brother lived across the street from me. And, and uh, so we got the kids, all my nieces and nephews, a bunch of presents and stuff like that. And uh, she was wrapping presents. 
And then she fell out. Yeah. You know what I mean? She was out for Christmas, you know, and I wasn't going to go anywhere without her, you know. Yeah. And <clears throat> so she fell out. She was out for a couple of days and she woke up again. I said, okay, I'm telling you, I'm going to go back to serving Christ. You know, I'm tired of living like this. I don't want to live this way. There has to be another way, you know. So January 3rd, <clears throat> I was doing heroin at the time. You know, I started doing heroin in prison. It was the first time I ever did heroin. Um, I was doing heroin. I was doing crystal meth, you know, but I was selling heroin. I was selling crystal meth. I was selling crack cocaine. You know, I'd wake up in the morning, you know, and I had my nightstand right there, and I had a, a crystal meth bong, a G bong, mm. you know, we call it, and it had a little foil or something. So heroin, I hit the heroin, hit the G, and I was go trap all day. You know, I'd be in the streets all day long, so I go, you know, come back, get high, eat, and then go right back to the streets. Wow. You know, the, it was at a point to where the drugs didn't affect me in a way that it would affect normal people because I was always getting high. Mm -hmm. So I had a built up a time. You got used to it. You got used to it, yeah. <clears throat> I was able to function, I was able to eat, I was able to to, um, to do all that stuff. And so I remember um, January 3rd, I woke up that morning, I said, that's it, I'm done. I said, I'm not getting high no more, I told her, you know? And um, I had just purchased like maybe 20 suboxone strips off somebody, you know? I was like, well, you know, I'm gonna go the whole day without using any. And then the next day I'll wake up and I'll start weaning myself off. Well, that night, I went to go sell some drugs somewhere, and there was an undercover cop, oh, officer, sorry, I don't call them cops, some of the officers. Uh, it was an undercover officer down the street watching me. So I went to sell the drugs, left, and then the officer pulled me over while I was all getting onto the freeway, you know. Uh, my ex-girlfriend threw some heroin out the, the window. He found us a box of strips in the back of the car, so they took me to jail. When I was in jail, they found the, the crack cocaine, you know, I had stashed it in my underwear. And uh, so I was like, well, I've already been to prison three times. You know, every time has drug-related incidents. This last time was for a possession with intent of class um, two felony. I was like, well, I'm going back to prison, I'm done. And on top, I'm dealing with the car accident, you know, and I'm already going through the Malias, you know? So they put me in a holding cell by myself. And I remember staying there all night, and I was like, well, I started getting myself mentally prepared to go back to do some time. I was like, I'm gonna do at least five to 10. It's highly likely I'm gonna do five to 10, you know? And that's what I was just telling myself. So they woke me up the next morning and they took everyone to court first because I was gonna keep it separate from everyone because I brought contraband into the county jail. So um, they took me to court. I was the last one to court. I went in there and uh, the judge looked at me and then pretrial spoke up and the judge released me to pretrial services. And I was, I couldn't believe it. Like my jaw hit the ground, you know, and my ex-girlfriend was right there behind me. And I looked at her, like she was like, she couldn't believe it, you know? <clears throat> so um, I got out as I was walking back to the holding cell. I could hear God tell me, you can continue down the wide road of destruction or you can follow me down the straight now, you know? And when I got released, I called my little brother. He was living across the street from me. And I was so weak, he came, picked me up, put me in his car, and took me home, you know? And so I started, you know, I was going through the Malias. And uh, Sunday, I think this was a Friday. Um, Sunday, I woke up, and my ex-girlfriend was in the living room, and I could hear her lighter. And I woke up, and I was like, you got to leave. I said, that's it. And I was with her for 10 years, you know? Went through the prison. She, was, she wasn't there for me when I was in prison. I was actually sending her money while I was in prison and stuff like that. So, um, but I mean, I guess you can still say we're together, you know, um, but so I was with her for 10 years, you know, off and on throughout the 10 years. Every time I go to prison, it's kind of like a breakup, you know? Yeah. So, um, I woke up Sunday morning, heard the lighter and I was like, you gotta leave. I said, as long as you're here, I'm never going to get sober. You know, I kicked her out, you know, she couldn't believe what was going on, you know? And I locked myself in my apartment and I kicked cold turkey 17 days. It took me 17 days to kick cold turkey in that apartment. Wow. You know, and um, the only person that was coming up and checking up on me at that time, you know, was my brother because he lived right across the street. I remember at 3.30, the ice cream truck would come through the apartment complex, mm -hmm. you know, and I knew my brother was an hour behind that ice cream truck, you know, so when I would hear the ice cream truck, I would get excited because I was like, yes, my brother's going to check up on me, you know, and he would come through and he will check up on me, you know, and I sat there and I kicked cold turkey 17 days wow. and um that was like one of the hardest things i've ever had to go through and you can only ask you um for the viewers and the listeners what is the cold turkey mean? Like, what is that oh it's, it's when you go through the malias when you kick without using any kind of uh suboxone or um what's the other thing they use anything to help you alleviate the pain the withdrawals you know you just lock yourself in a place and you go through it you know, my mindset was because it's it's like this. I could either go take methadone or I could take Suboxone and I could sit there and, and draw this thing out for a year, two years, three years. I've seen people draw this thing out where they their dose is real high, let's say 100 milligrams, and then they taper down, you know, and it takes time to do that. Mm -hmm. Or I can just get it done. 
get it over with, go through the pain, you know, that way I don't forget it. Wow. And, and that's what I did, you know. But being in that apartment, you know, that was one of the hardest things I've had to go through on my own, but I wasn't on my own because that's when I, I was really close to God. You know, I remember going to the chiropractor, excuse me, and the chiropractor was afraid to adjust my back because of the car accident, because of the bulge. He thought something was going to mess up, you know, more in my back. And I remember I couldn't sleep one night. And uh, when I was a child, I couldn't sleep. So my mom would always put worship music on. So I was just doing that. I had my, my laptop, you know, the cops, police officers took on my phone they took everything you know so I remember just putting my laptop in and just listening to worship music and I woke up it was around 12 12 30 and I remember just sitting on my bed cross-legged and I was just worshiping the Lord you know I was just bawling and bawling and bawling and I just felt his hand push me in the middle of my back straight down push me straight down I was face down like this and I remember two hands grabbing the back of my grabbing my hands and yanking my arm straight back and my back just adjusted it was amazing. Wow. I, like I, I was, I was, I was. The next morning, I woke up and I was like hobbling to the refrigerator, and I remember God telling me, "Son, I want you to praise my name every time you feel pain." Wow. And I'm like, "What? He's praise my name out loud? I want you to give me praise for the pain." And I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna do that." I said, "Every time I take a step, I'm gonna say, I praise you, Lord, for the pain.' People are gonna think I'm crazy, you know." But I started doing it. I started doing it and I was like, Lord, I praise you for this pain. I know through through your son and through your son's stripes I am healed. The word says through his stripes I am healed. You know, I just started claiming that over my life. And the chiropractor was like, a couple months later, he was like, you know, there's nothing I can do for you. You need to go see a surgeon. You know, they might need surgery for that bulge. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So I went to go see a surgeon and he checked me out. He's like, why are you here? And I'm like, well, because the chiropractor said there's nothing else that he could do for me. I had to come see you so I can get surgery on my back. He's like, you don't need surgery. He's like, you're healed. Oh, wow. He's healed. You're healed. <laughs> now, right here in the back, I just have like a little like a little spot that's numb. Yeah. But that's it. So he didn't see anything when he did No, he didn't see anything. anything? I'm good now, he said. Wow. Yeah. And I haven't had no pain back there since then. Wow. So he's Yeah. Yeah. And so I got put on probation. Well, I didn't get put on probation right away. They didn't want to give me probation. Yeah. You know, um, I was fighting them, fighting them to get probation. Um, I had a, a public defender. I ended up firing him. I got an outside attorney. And this attorney was pretty good. You know, he was, he was well known. You know, when they found out the attorney that I had afterwards, they were like, oh, wow, he's pretty good. You know, so I went to go see my attorney and he, looking at my case. And he's like, well, they got you dead at rights. He's like, I don't know what you expect to happen here. He's like, he's like, I don't know, are you expecting a miracle? I said, well, I believe in the impossible. Mm. I told him, you know? And so I was going through the case, going through the case, and he was like, well, you know, you got to take the plea. Or, and it was uh, one to four, they would give me a plea for one to four. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to take the plea. Because in February of 2019, I was getting into the shower, and I hear God tell me, son, you're not going back to prison. And I stood on that. I don't care. It didn't matter to me how many times they said I was going back to prison. It didn't matter to me how many times the devil tried to tell me I was going back to prison. God told me I wasn't. And I stood on that. I stood on that. So we went, we finally got a settlement conference because he said, if, if you don't sign this plea, you're going back to They're going to take the plea away and you're going to have to go to trial. And I think it was like 10 to 35 if I lost that trial. <clears throat> so I was like, okay, tell him I want a settlement conference. He's like, well, I don't think the judge is going to give it to you. I said, tell him I want a settlement conference. So we went. He got me the settlement conference, you know. So we went before another judge and a district attorney. And she stood up and she was like, you know what? Uh, we're not giving Mr. Mendoza prison. I mean, uh, wow. probation. We're not going to give him probation. He's going back to prison. She's like, he's been a menace to society. His son got a hold of some cocaine back in 2007. He's had every opportunity to change. And he hasn't changed. He's going back to prison, you know. And so the judge stood up. I mean, he didn't stand up, but. He spoke up and he was like, it's going to be your job, Mr. Mendoza, to convince your judge to give you the the small, the least amount of time as possible. He's like, what have you been doing? So I told him, I said, you know, I started going to church. You know, I go to celebrate recovery on Fridays, on Tuesdays. I said, we come downtown right here and we pray for people. We pass out food. I said, as a matter of fact, it was a Tuesday at that settlement conference. I said, you can go downtown right here at the bus station at six o'clock and you'll see me down here. I said, I'm in church on Wednesdays. You know, I serve at church. We were uh, doing food boxes at church. Uh, we'd go pass them out. And then uh, one, one Saturday a month, and then the other three Saturdays, people would come in and we'd make food boxes and pass them out. I was just, I was in church like four or five days a week. And that's what I did. And I told him everything. And he goes, he looks at the district attorney. He's like, 
We need to go home and think about this because people change. People change. Two weeks later, I had a probation available plea. A month after that, I signed my probation available plea in August, in October. Wow. You know, I forgot to mention this. Jaime was there. Brother Jaime, he went with me to my settlement conference. Yeah. And he was in the back, you know, like jumping up and down out of his seat. And he's like, you know, and the, the, the judge asked him, he's like, do you want to see something? He's like, you know what, Your Honor, I've seen, I've seen uh, Mr. Mendoza change over the past year. Like, you know, he's really militant and everything he does, you know. And, and, and he's like, what do you guys have to do? Lose. Roll the dice. He's like, if he messes up, give him 50 years, you know? And uh, I guess the district attorney, she was like, okay. So they took that plea away. They gave me a probation available plea. But it, if I messed up on probation, it was like five to 12, Wow. you know? And so I went before the judge and the judge goes, you know, Mr. Mendoza, I read the super substantial mitigated packet that your um, lawyer has given me. And it's amazing at the change that's happened in your life, you know? And, People don't come through like this that do what you have done, yeah. you know? And she goes, I'm not going to give you IPS. I'm going to give you standard probation because you already live a structured life. They're asking for seven years probation. She goes, and I'm only going to give you four. So I got four years probation that day. Two and a half years later, I got terminated early for probation. Three months after that, I went and spoke at the probation office because they have like a, a, it's like a program or people who get off probation early, um, just like a program that they they get put in. Mm -hmm. And if they get off early, they give out certificates and all that. Well, they had me go speak. Um, the mayor was there, chief of police was there. That's when I met Vance Johnson. And, and that's all because of, because of God. Wow. You know? Well, praise God. I mean, yeah. the, the mercy obviously was yeah. there. And you can see like throughout your, your testimony that God was doing you know, he was moving this chess piece. Yes, yes. He was doing that over your life. And yeah. then ultimately, obviously, he, he extended that grace period yeah. Yeah. where, you know, you could have done life. Or, yeah. You know, you could have done more more than you sh should have. Yeah. And God came through. Yeah. So praise God. Yeah. You have a question? Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've known Danny since, um, well, you know, my testimony. So that when, when I told you my testimony that, that day that um, I went to that Bible study that Brother MK invited me to. He was there. That was the first day I was getting clean. And um, that's the day that I received the Holy Spirit. And he, when I met him, I mean, it took us me a couple times of going, but since, I mean, he's been such a blessing in my life. Uh, I, this is my first time hearing your testimony. Um, and uh, like, he's a brother that, I mean, I would have never thought that all that stuff that, that you just said, yeah. because how, how like Jaime says, militant minded yeah. you are in the scripture and I mean I get I hit him up at least a couple times a week with the question of the day you know <laughs> yeah. and and he yeah. never gives me his opinion he goes straight to straight to there the word go. man and uh and uh, that's I mean God bless you bro that's that's good and then he's you have your music ministry yeah. I mean how how's how's uh when did that start uh I want to say that started uh I think right after I got put on probation you know we started we got the record label we started doing music and, and um, I sent Brother MK a beat and I was like, man, we could do something kind of like, uh, what's that? I put on for my city kind of, mm -hmm. you know, and he came up with the hook and received from my city. And, and that's when our brother Giovanni, he had just come into from California and moved to Tucson and he's a videographer. And so God put all those pieces together and then that's when we came up with the first video and received from my city. Mm -hmm. Praise yeah. God. So you guys do, so you, so that music industry and you guys obviously are currently making music? Yes, okay. yes, yeah. Uh, Giovanni just came from um, Anaheim. Okay. You know, he's gonna stay with me for about 10 days and we're gonna shoot some music videos to release some more content out there. Oh, praise God. Yeah. And how, how did you stay encouraged throughout all that when you were going through, you know, the trials and, and judge and, and obviously, like obviously yeah. trusting God. Yeah, yeah. But how did you stay encouraged? Because a lot of people would have lost hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, when, like I, I knew how to pray <clears throat> and I've always been a worshiper at heart you know I, I knew it and I was like you know I, I wanted change so bad that I was willing to just give God my all I remember it was January 11th it was the day the Dallas Cowboys lost the playoff game um, 2019 um, the day before that was a Friday and I remember telling my brother I can't wait to church on Sunday can't wait so I can run up to that altar and give my life to Christ. Wow. You know, in 2003, I was serving Christ and uh, there was this old lady. Her name was uh, Miss Beryl. I called her my grandma Beryl. And she's like, you know what? You don't have to continue to say the prayer. 
you just pick yourself up and you come back to him. That's what she told me. She's like, you don't have to continue saying this prayer over and over and over. You just pick yourself up and just give your heart back to him, you know? And so that Friday, um, I think it was 11th, um, I told my brother, I said, I can't wait to run up to the altar and give my life back to Christ. Well, the next day, uh, my deal, I had a barbecue because the Dallas Cowboys were playing. We went over there, you know, I was going through the media. I was sick, you know, I couldn't eat, you know. And I went to my family's house and they're looking at me like I'm crazy, you know. I'm sitting there sweating, you know what I mean? But I'm cold, I'm yeah. sucked up, you know. I'm like, man, and, and they're like, like tripping, you know, my brother's like, you guys have no idea what he's going through right now, you know. And, you know, at that time, you know, I was kind of like beefing it with one of my deals. And I was like, brother, take me home. They take me to your house so I can go watch the football game. So he took me to his house. <clears throat> I remember sitting there. And uh, I remember sitting there in his living room. And I'm watching the Dallas Cowboys lose. And uh, I remember sitting there. And all of a sudden, I just felt the presence of God enter the apartment. And I could hear God telling me, son, you said that you can't wait till Sunday to come up to the altar. He's like, I can't wait till then. I'm coming to you now. And I remember after I heard that, his presence just washed over me. And I just started worshiping his name and praising his name. And it was it was so real. You know, I've never experienced God like that. I never could just like, man, he just entered the room in such a mighty way. And, and I remember my brother coming and he opened the door and he looked at me, he just had a big old smile on his face. Because you can feel the God presence when it's around. You cannot deny it, you know. And I'm sitting there, like, jumping up and down, praising the Lord. And Dallas Cowboys are losing on TV. My niece is looking at me like I'm crazy, like they're losing, you know what I mean? I'm like, don't matter, Lord. God set me free. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. set me free at that moment, you know. And, and so after that, you know, um, I was in my apartment for like four months, all the way from January to April without a job. I couldn't work or anything like that because... Of the settle, the case I had for the back injury, <clears throat> so I was in my word, I was worshiping, I was praying like three, four times a day, just getting it, just getting it, just sitting at the Father's feet. Because when you're in God's presence, everything is going to break off of you. Everything, nothing can stand in God's presence. Nothing can, and I knew that. You know, so I was just getting into God's presence. I remember there would be times, and I would always leave my door unlocked, you know, yeah. and that because my brother would always come over, you know, and it was at nighttime. And I remember there was one time when I was sitting there worshiping God and God just entered the room. His presence just entered the room and there was just a mist. You could just see it, like this golden mist just circling above the ceiling. You know, and my brother came in, he opened the door and he just stood right there. He didn't come on the carpet, he just stood right there. You know, and you could just feel God's presence. You know, and, and that's... in those moments right there when you're really getting into God's presence and you're seeking his face, that's what change happens. That's what change happens. Now don't get me wrong, I mean I still had to I still had to go through a lot of things because it I didn't just become a drag guy overnight. I didn't just uh, become a, a gang member overnight. I just didn't become a, a drug dealer overnight. You know, I didn't I didn't become all that overnight. It took time. Yeah. It took time. So it's gonna take time for you to actually get into God's word to learn how to apply it and learn how to navigate the things of life that come because it's a whole different struggle yeah. you know serving Christ isn't easy no. you know, that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to accomplish you know and I'm going to continue to accomplish it every day yeah because many people think that you know coming to Christ is just like something that you just go to church you know keep it at that yeah. but in reality it's it's a walk yeah. and yeah. It, and it's a, it's something that takes you know the process and, and of being you know a servant of the Lord yeah, yeah. is that you have to go through you know the battles of yeah. life you know it's like a roller coaster you go up and down so it's not a steady walk yeah. there's there's many many things that can happen yeah, yeah. and that's where obviously yeah. the, the presence no, of God yeah. and the reliance of God yeah. comes through yeah yeah and then um I have a couple questions <laughs> yes, sir, for you um you being uh the man of God you are and uh, just how how <laughs> How um in your walk or uh, the level of the walk you're on? So I, I got these questions. Um, first one is, what do you believe are your strengths in your walk with God? Um, I'm gonna do like the Apostle Paul says. Mm-hmm. He said, "Don't I'm not gonna boast of my strengths. I'm gonna boast of my weaknesses." Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and um. It's it's funny too because like we 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 as a family, my wife and my two children, you know, we sit down and you know we do this maybe 
sometimes twice a month we'll do this, you know, and we'll go in a circle and we'll tell, like I'll go and I'll tell Kiki one thing that I love about her and one thing that I think she needs to work on, mm-hmm. you know, and then she doesn't respond back, you know, and, and I'll go through and I'll tell Noah something, you know, and tell why one thing I love about him and one thing he needs to work on, you know, and, um, and my wife told me, like, you know, I need to be more present, you know, because um, I play video games on my phone, you know. So I'm like, I know, I know that's that's one of my weaknesses. It's funny too because uh, I was fasting from the video games, and I started playing the video games again. Well, and, what video games you play? Uh, Candy Crush, FIFA Soccer, <laughs> you know. Just, it's, it's just like that, you know. I don't have a game system at home. Nothing crazy. No, nothing crazy like that, you know. So <clears throat> I wake up one morning, and then Candy Crush is deleted off my phone. Weird, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I can't download it back to my phone. All I can do is go to Play Store and play it off the Play Store. So I'm like, this is weird, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then a couple <laughs> days go by, you know what I mean? And then FIFA's off my phone. I'm like, okay, now this is not this is not coincidence. I, I told Kiki the other day, I said, are you deleting that the games from my phone? <laughs> and she's like, no. She's like, why would I do that? She was like, you know, if I'm gonna go delete something, I'm gonna delete Facebook and all that stuff off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, I'm like, so I'm like. Man, you know, and then I go, and then there's another game called Age of Apes I play, uh-huh. and that's gone. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know. Yeah. So you know, so that's that's one thing that you know uh, I'm working on is, is to start to uh, be more present. You know, I'm I'm actually really present in the home. You know, right. with the, you know, every time I leave, Sama's like, leave it again. We need to spend more time. And then we didn't have the men's group this past Thursday, and she's like, are you going to the men's group, Daddy? And I said, no, she's like, that's good. You're staying home with us today, uh, you know? Yeah, and, and so, I mean, I know that's one thing I need to work on. Um, God has been, really been working on, on the way I, I control my emotions and my feelings and my response to people. Um, Brother Ricardo told me, because I, I was real hot-headed, you know? I'm not a big guy. You know, I had that Napoleon Dynamite Syndrome, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, you know, Napoleon Syndrome, you know? Yeah, I had, I had that, you know? And then, too, you're selling drugs, you got a gun, you think, you know, you can't be touched, you yeah. know? And I saw, I mean, that all got to my head, you know? So, you know, I've had to learn how to control my anger and my emotions. And Brother Ricardo, he works with me. And uh, he told me something the other day, and I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, he said it. He's like, you know, you're able to control your emotions and, and the way you talk and stuff like that. Like, I can't do that, he told me. And no one's ever told me that, you know? And then, you know, um, he runs a crew and I, I run another crew. And, and I was telling, I was, like, you know, we work together with a bunch of brothers work together. And so I tell him, I said, like, you got you to gotta learn how to, to lead these guys and, and talk to them and guide them. He's like, I, it's hard for me. He's like, you know, I can't sit there. And Brother Ricardo, if you're watching this, you know, forgive me for saying this, but it's for God and glory, you know. Um, Brother Ricardo's taught me so much, too. You know, I love it, brother. Stop. We've gone through some things, and he's really taught me. You know, he's one brother that I can confide in, and uh, he won't say nothing to nobody. You know, mm. and um, that's as as brother in Christ. You know, we need that. You know, we need a brother that we can talk to, and mm. you don't have to worry about it getting out. You know, and that's so important, especially in the spot with Christ. You know, yeah. um, <clears throat> so I told him I was like, you know, you gotta learn how to talk to these guys and learn how to lead them and direct them and push them. You know, and he's like, I can't do that. He's like, I can't. I can't sit there and do like you do and, and just like be cool and calm and tell them over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, I was never like that before. You know, and for him to to recognize that and then voice it, he doesn't know that he's encouraging me by telling me that, you know, um, but it encourages me so much. It, it allows me to take a step back for myself and see my growth in Christ, you know. And, and Don't you love that when you can yeah. see it? Mm-hmm. When you yeah. can see the difference? Amazing. Yeah. The, one of the questions I... And you led into it with your family, but you know, how do you and your wife now with you being, you know, having a ministry and, and you know, the record label and you know, doing things for Christ and you know, going out and evangelizing? Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance that in marriage? Like, how do you balance your your the ministry and then you and you know, you and your wife? Oh, um, so I think that's a very important question. You know, I, I hear I hear people say, um, <clears throat> uh, my family is my first ministry. Um, but I, I say it like this, like, I want my wife to go everywhere with me. I really do. Like, I tell her about everything. I was like, you want to go? Do you want to go? you want to go? You know, today she's having a girl's day. She had her own time, and she went to go eat dinner with one of her friends. That's why she's not here. You know, I mean, which is cool, you know. Um, but I tell people, like, I want my wife to go everywhere with me. You know, like, I love my brothers. Like, I know Izzy. Like, I know Giovanni's going to have my back. If we go anywhere, I know they're going to have my back. I know for a fact they will. But they'll never have my back with they will never be able to see the things my wife sees because she knows me better than anybody else except for the Lord. Mm. 
you know, so I want her to go everywhere with me. Let's go, babe. Let's go. You know, I want her want her to be a part of everything I do. I don't ever want her to feel left out. I don't want that. You know, I don't want her to think that I'm putting the ministry before her or anything like that. You know, so she and then on top of that, she keeps all my dates for me. You know, she's she's real organized with that, so she writes everything down and boom, we got this, we got this, we got this. She puts it all on the calendar. Even even my children, they you know they keep up on it. They're like, okay, we got this today, Dad. You're going there. You're going to the studio today. You're doing this. You know, wow. and, <clears throat> yeah. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, when you're touching on that, it's even personally for me. I was talking to Andres about this. I feel this year um, is being more intentional with the time we spend with our families because um, I caught myself, man. Like you know, being when I came to Christ uh, in uh, 2021, just going to men's group. Yeah, and then with men's group comes men's events, yeah. and it was all men, 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 men. Or the boys, or the you know, going to evangelize just the guys, yeah. and it uh, after a year of that you're, I was like, what am I doing with my wife? Yeah. And uh, you know, cause I would be like, well, I'm doing this for God. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's like, why yeah. are you getting mad if I'm with God or I'm with godly friends? Yeah. And then I didn't feel God bless that. Yeah. And then I felt conviction because even recently, you know, some months ago, it was just, well, I'm going to this with these brothers. I'm yeah. going to this. Yeah. But I wasn't doing nothing with my wife. Yeah. But this year, I've really, you know, been more intentional with just family ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, because, you know, it's true, bro. Our wives know us better than yeah, anyone yeah, else. And yeah. when we don't give credit to what the Lord has used them for in yeah, our lives, yeah, yeah. we're discrediting him. And uh, now I'm like, this year is... I'm, you know, if I got to tell brothers, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be able to go yeah. evangelize with you guys because... My wife and I are going to do something. No, yeah, you're good. You know, yeah, in good our own things. ministry, yeah. that's you know, God honors that because yeah. they are, you know, we're one flesh. Yeah. So that's that's good. That you say. How long have you and Kiki or Kiki been married now? Uh, February fifth will be two years. Two years, right? Yeah. I just want to make it clear that you're not with that lady. In the other oh no, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, she's gone. <laughs> no, yeah, no, she's I, I remember like yeah. like maybe three weeks after I kicked her out, she okay. came knocking on the door. Oh. It was like ten thirty at night. I was like, Jezebel doesn't live here no more. I was like, you got to go. I told her. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I need to use the restroom. I said, you got to restroom. I said, okay. I told her. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, but, but yeah. that's, that's what you got to do. You know, yeah, you got to make those those yeah, boundaries when, yeah. you're, when, you're, when you're facing the battles that you're facing yeah. And, yeah. You're, and you're trying to take that walk with Christ seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There should be nothing in yeah, the way, yeah, and, yeah. and that's awesome that you yeah. did that, and you're able to realize like, hey, you're not good for me. Yeah, you know? yeah, you, oh, yeah. You, I, I'm, I'm trying to walk one way, and you're trying to make me walk yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, since we're on the family, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I uh, growing up, you know, we have things spoken over our over our lives, you know, by our parents and 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 by um, people around us. You know, like they told me I was always going to be a drug dealer. I was always going to be a drug addict. You know, mm -hmm. and so I, I began to speak words of affirmation over my children. You know, over Noah and over Sadma, you know, I like to share. Is that okay if I share some of these? Yeah, 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 I brought the paper with me. And they love it, too. Like, they get excited. Like, when, when we sit down in a circle and, and or on the couch and we tell each other one thing that they need to work on or one thing that, you know, we love about them. It's like Sadma told Noah. Sadma, she's nine. Noah's eight. She said, Noah, I, I, you really need to work on waking up on time for school, you know, because you're always the last one awake, you know. And so a week later... An Amazon package came, and I was like, "What's that, babe?" She's like, "Oh, it's an alarm clock for Noah. You know, he got a, a, an Amazon gift card, so he went and bought himself an alarm clock, and now he's the first one up all the time." And I'm like, "Man, that's so amazing! Yeah. You know that that you know we're actually taking these things in, and we're actually working on the things that we need to work on." You yeah. know, and so I started doing this with the, with my children. You know, and and every time I say something to them, I you know I have them repeat back to me, "I receive that." You know, so I tell them, "I love you," and. Like, I receive that, mm -hmm. and I say, I am pleased with you. Then they respond back, and I say, You are blessed, you are strong, you are loved, you know. And they repeat back, I receive that you are valuable, and you are gifted, you are kind, you are special, you are leaders, you are creators, you are righteous, you are good, you are godly. Mm -hmm. And then I began to go individually and tell them things, you know. And I'm like, Sama, you are beautiful. You know, because how many times as fathers do we tell our daughters that they're beautiful? You know, we allow the world to tell them what beautiful it should be, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. what it should be, you know, instead of us just going and, and, and taking up that role and that responsibility and letting our daughters know that they're beautiful, that they don't need to follow the world and the world's view of beauty, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I tell Noah, you are handsome. He's like, I received that. 
you know, and I tell Salma, you are a child of virtue. And she's received that. I tell Noah, you are a man of honor and of keeping your word. You know, and I'm like, Salma, you are a child of prayer and praise. And I'll tell Noah, I said, you are a seeker of God's truth and his word. Mm. And after that, we'll pray. And I'll, mm -hmm. they, yeah, they, they, that's powerful. Yeah, they love it. That's powerful. And like, you know, I, I <clears throat> hearing that, I just think of the verse where it says, that's for me and my house. Yeah. And we serve yeah, the Lord. The Lord. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. very important because, yeah. and, you know, down in America and just, you know, in general, you know, people are not putting God in family yeah. anymore. Yeah. They're yeah. kind of moving away from yeah. that. Yeah. You know, um, talking about family still every time we would to this day it, you would always make me think because all these concerts and stuff you were one of the only brothers there that has his wife with him mm -hmm. and i know a lot of these guys are married yeah but and that started bringing conviction to me because <clears throat> i would my wife would be like who's there oh hi man uh leo and all these guys and Oh, and Danny and his wife. Well, see, he takes his wife. Why can't I go? Yeah. And then I was like, "There's." And I always assumed, "Oh, they were man's events." But no, we we turn it into something that it's yeah. it could be a family yeah. thing. So, ever since that, I started being like to my wife, "Hey, let's go." That's because there's, you know, you remember that, yeah. and people remember. Yeah. Oh, did you see them? And then, oh, it's just them. But you always remember Danny and Kiki. Yeah. And I, that's yeah. what I say. I want people to say. Izzy and Adriana as one instead of yeah. you know one guy's doing his thing and his wife no we're one we're yeah. in this walk together yeah. Yeah. and we have each other's back yeah. so I mean that's what I really like I seen you guys uh, when we went for Christmas yeah. uh, going to hand out uh, food and, and stuff to the, yeah, yeah. to the to the needed people over there and and it's just it, it's very um, encouraging yeah. to see that that bond bro yeah. and, and it's talk it's it, um contagious yeah amen. so yeah, yeah. um you know that that's good bro um i have another question here okay um <clears throat> this is not it's not on the family to topic or anything okay. um but um it's more personal and in, in, in second corinthians 318 talks or paul talks about being transformed from glory to glory okay what areas do you see in your walk that need improvement second corinthians 318 uh yes so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him and we are changed into his glorious image mm -hmm. let's come right here it says the glory that the spirit imparts to the believer is more excellent and lasts longer than the glory that Moses experienced mm -hmm. by gazing at the nature of God with unveiled minds we can be more like him mm -hmm. in good news we see the truth about Christ and it transforms us morally as we understand and apply it though learning about Christ's life we can understand it how wonderful God is and what he is really like as our knowledge deepens the Holy Spirit helps us change becoming Christ like is a progressive experience mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I mean, I, there's everything I could do to be more Christ-like. Mm -hmm. Everything I, I need to do, everything better. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I I, knew I need to pray more. You know, I got this book, learning how to pray the Bible. It's teaching me how to pray the Bible. You know, pray mm -hmm. through the Bible. That way, our prayer doesn't become repetitive. You know, mm -hmm. and, and like we don't want to say the same prayer over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, and so sometimes we just don't even want to pray. Yeah. Like you know, I'm praying for the same things for the same people. You know, yeah. and, and 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 don't get me wrong. We're supposed to go to the Father and continue to have that childlike faith. Mm -hmm. And like, Lord, you said you're gonna do this. Are you gonna do it? Mm -hmm. When are you gonna do it? Let's get it done. You know. Um, but you know, when you learn to pick up the Word and pray through the Bible, it just gives you a whole different perspective on how to pray and what to pray for. I think. You know? Can I add on to that? Yeah. Go ahead. So I think with with prayer, um, like for me, I, I I know that I came a long way in that. Yeah. For a long time, you know, I've been. You know, I pray and, you know, I, I, I talk to God, but I would never listen. Yeah. And lately Amen. I've just been listening. Amen. And that's something that I've just been trying to do this yeah. year, you know, and instead of just coming to the Lord for things, yeah. I'm just, I, I'm asking yeah. and I'm listening instead yeah. of always Amen. just coming yeah. to, yeah. to God. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's good, man. And, um, hmm. do you have another question? Another yeah. Question? Oh, well, I just wanted to say, um, with the prayer, uh, or with this, um, scripture, something that I've been trying to work on and it's, it's crazy because I never thought I had an issue with my prayer life mm -hmm. but when this is why it's so important to gather with other brothers yeah. or other believers 
because like it says iron sharpens iron yeah, yeah. and and if you seclude yourself from the body yeah. thinking oh i don't need to go to church yeah because you know there's some people out there like oh i don't need to go to church i got the word yeah but when I be around Andres, man, this guy prays for everything. Yeah. Like, man, he's he's walking outside and there's a bird flying by and he starts praying. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that, that really changed my my perspective yeah. on yeah, prayer. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't need just need to pray when things go yeah, bad or yeah. when I need something. Or I started because I give thanks to God, but really looking at creation and giving thanks to God, like, man, thank you for these birds. Yeah. Thank you because yeah, no, yeah. everything is worshiping Him. Yes. And and just being around Andres. Mm -hmm really changed my my prayer life because man I'm, I'm praying non-stop yeah. and and it's just constant communication with yeah. the father and uh that's one thing that i was i really needed and god uses the other believers the other yeah. saints to to show us because if we going back to some people don't feel that they need a fellowship yeah. you know if it's just me me it's hard to to grow and share your spiritual gifts uh with the body yeah. Uh, that being said, no, go ahead. Well, if you look in the Bible, um, mm -hmm. and, and me for me, like when, um, last year, uh, after I got married, you know, it, it was real hard for me to adjust. You know what I mean? I, I've been single my whole life, basically. You know, me and my ex girlfriend we're back and forth, back and forth, and I go to prison for time. And you know, uh, and then after um, I started serving, after Christ came back to get me, I was single for two years. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, I didn't have time for women. I was just serving out there in the streets, and I'd be like, "Man, I can't wait till God brings me a godly woman," you know, because I'd always run into women mm -hmm. who need prayer or need to connect them with, and I couldn't do it because mm -hmm. I wasn't gonna go down that route. Because in 2003, I started serving Christ, and I got taken out by, a, a, you know, by my own desire, mm -hmm. but uh, the devil used a woman to do it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I, I was, but after I got married, I was. And it all began to sink in. I was like, I can't do this. I was like, oh, it's like, King, you gotta go. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't do this. You know. And she left, and then she came back, and she left. You know what I mean? And then she came back, and then she moved to Phoenix. You know what I mean? And I was sitting there going through this. I'm like, man. You know, I'm sitting there going through this, and then I began to pull away from everybody. You know, I began to pull away from everybody. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be around anybody. You know, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? You know, I, I, you know, and I was the main cause of it all. You know what I mean? Because I, I hear people say this. Um, marriage is hard. Marriage is not hard for men if we learn how to get out of our own way. If we get out of our own way, it's not going to be hard. Mm -hmm. It's not. Why? Because we feel like, oh, women shouldn't tell us what to do. We shouldn't have to lay down our lives for a woman the way that Christ laid down his life for the church, you know? But if I begin to lower my pride, and it has a lot to do with pride, you know, if I begin to lower my pride and learn how to serve my wife, it, it becomes easy. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, there's things you still gotta navigate, mm -hmm. but it becomes easy, and that's one thing that I've done, you know? But let's go back to um, how would you begin to pull away from everybody? Begin to pull away, you know? And, and I could just feel God just like, just feel them so tough so tough but i don't want to be around anybody you know what i mean i stopped going to church you know and it was like for a month i stopped going to church and you know it was hard for me to go back to church you know and everything and and you know and, and i realized you know and that we're made for a relationship you know uh, i heard pastor Wayland preach on on you know we're made for a relationship and, and i began to look in genesis and when god created adam he said it's not good for man to be alone he created him you know, mm -hmm. and and what was the first thing that the devil attacked? Mm -hmm. Eve mm -hmm. and that relationship between Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. He attacked that relationship, mm -hmm. and then he attacked the relationship that man had with God. Mm -hmm. He attacked it and it caused separation. That's why they got put out of the garden because of sin. Mm -hmm. Sin causes separation. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's why it's so important. You know, you get plugged in church. You know. But you also find a group of believers, you know, you get plugged in, you know, because the body is not just inside the four walls, it's outside the four walls as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you get plugged in, you get plugged in, it doesn't matter where you're at, where you go, you know, um, you know, find someone, like I said, that you can talk to, someone that you can confide in. Mm -hmm. You know, Brother Ricardo is one person for me, and then Pastor Dan, he's been discipling me. He's one person, you know, um, you know, I, I went and, and Pastor Dan actually called my phone one day because I left a flyer at at the uh, Bible store, mm -hmm. I forget the name of it, Tucson. 
and he called me and asked me if I was a pastor. And I said, no. And he's like, well, I just want to encourage you, you know. So he began discipling me, you know. And I began to share things with him. And it's easier. I found it easier to share with him because he doesn't know anybody that I know. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And because of that, I'm going to feel more free, like, you know. And he was, you know. And I love Pastor Dan, too, because he, he never gives me an answer. He would just ask me a question. And he gives me time to think about it and answer the question. He always will. He'll answer my question with, or he'll he'll answer, yeah, answer my questions with questions. And I'm like, so I gotta sit there and think. I'm like, okay, you know, I do. Yeah, you know. And I'm good. like, man, it's good. It's really good. You know, he and and I've seen people get upset with him because he's he's but all he's doing is merely simply asking a question. And I've seen people get really upset with him. You know, and but. But it provokes the the conversation. Yes, and, yes. And obviously, you guys are yeah. ultimately just trying to yeah. seek more of God yeah. Yeah. and all that. Yeah. You were gonna ask, brother. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I was gonna reiterate on when you said uh, about um, <clears throat> it was about marriage being hard, and, and that's really true. What you say it's because we get on our own way. Yeah. With pride, and uh, and that's always about us. Our wife's gonna submit to us, mm-hmm. and we submit to them. Yeah. yeah. And we both submit to Christ. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, that's just good. But um, the other question is, uh, this is uh, in your opinion, or I know you're going to go to the scripture. Uh-huh. In your opinion, uh, what do you see the church uh, or um, the body of Christ uh, doing well and not doing well? Uh, look, at, look I, I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time. And, and I'll tell my wife this. And, and I love talking to my wife about this. I hear revival. Mm-hmm. I hear revival. Let me, let me. You want another water? Oh, yeah. Give me, give, me a, give me the definition for revival. Thank you. Sorry about that. So I, I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. And, uh, you know, bring a revival, you know, to Tucson. We're bringing revival to America. And, and I'm like, you know, I hear the church saying it a lot, too. So I was like, man, I'm going to look up the word revival. I said revival. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. An instance of something. Where is it at? Let me see. Hmm. Said for the definition of revival, huh? yeah. No, I had it. Um, let's see, let's review right there. Oh, you got revival, yeah. It said, um, oh, not I got like a renewal and awakening, right? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. You know, uh, but my thing is, is to what happens when you got to revive something? Why do you have to revive something because it's you know dying because it's dead. dead? So, why are we saying we're going to be revival? We're supposed to be living in Christ, and we're supposed to be alive. Mm-hmm. The church shouldn't have to be revival. We shouldn't be living. They need to bring reformation. Things need to change. You know, things need to change. You know, and that starts with me. That starts with me. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So when they say we we want revival, what do you think? Most people. Oh, I, I think they want people just I, I, when they, when I hear when people say we want to be revival, they just want people to to, to mm-hmm. give their life back to, to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. They want they want an awakening to happen. Like it says, an awakening. Yeah. You know, that's what they want. They want people to yeah. to come to Christ and and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but and when they say revival starts with us, it shouldn't start with us mm-hmm. because we're already alive. We're already living. We don't need to come back to life if we're already living in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and lives in us. Mm-hmm. And that's what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Now, yes, we want we want reformation needs to happen in the church and revival needs to break out across the believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I say we want like a, like a revival uh event, I think that those are nice for, for non believers, but it's more like the word revival to me is really close to a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, oh I feel revival. And then people mistake the feeling they they start considering the Holy Spirit as a feeling instead of a person, you know, and uh, that that's dangerous. And then after that revival, then what happens? Yeah. People start like after a few weeks, 
that hype goes down because yeah. it's a feeling to them yeah. it's not real um here's the question okay you're talking about the holy spirit being in us yes can a christian be possessed by a demon a real christian oh we gotta look at see what a real believer is yeah yes. that's uh And that's a that's a really um, I feel a, a question that that brings a lot of um, what is it uh, separation between some believers. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's a real question because it's out there. And, and before I started reading First John, um, Pastor Dan was like, you know, he was asking, he asked me a question. You think your wife's a real believer? And I was like, real believer? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know. So I started reading First John. In First John, um, chapter one, six. It says, "So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but going on living on spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin." Now, what does it say right there? It says, "We are lying if we go if we have fellowship with God, but going on living in spiritual darkness." It says, "But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other." You see what I'm saying? Because light, darkness can't dwell with their light. There's no way. If you look at the sun and the moon, I'm going to go into some of the scriptures. The sun and moon are constantly moving away from each other because they can't dwell together. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It says, chapter 2, verse 3, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Okay, chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, we already are God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning, keeps on sinning, or something that's repetitive, you know, does not know him or understands who he is. Now, if you come to the last scripture, First John. It says, Dear children, keep away from anything that may take God's place in your heart. Mm-hmm. Now, what does God want our hearts? Mm-hmm. Just like the brother right here said, you know, when we begin to open up those doors, mm-hmm. you know what happens when you open the door? You it comes in. See yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it comes in and it starts to take your heart. Okay? There's a lot of people um, who are in church, play church. There's a lot of believers, they say they're believers, they have the times of Christian, but are not really living for the Lord. The Bible says that the road is narrow, few will find it. You know, that's what the Word of God says. You know, so I, I, and from what I get from the Word of God is that if we're following His commandments and we're living in the light, darkness can't dwell within us. But when we begin to open up the, the door and we don't guard our hearts and we don't continue to fill our hearts with the Lord, then you can be possessed. But then are you a real believer? Because if you open up that door and you're sinning and you continue to sin, you're not modeling your life after Christ, after we just read right here. Well, I think I think a lot of it too is truly surrendering it. Yes, you yes. Know, and as as brother, you know, Izzy, we we've gone back and forth with this topic. And one thing that I that I like the representation, like if you want to give away an addiction, if you want to give away something that you're struggling with, coming to God and going, oh here here God take it all, but then still holding on to yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it has to be a, tr- a true surrender. And out of that, you know, that's where we can see that the fruit will come out of that. They own. Like, I don't deal with that no more because I truly surrendered yeah. it. Yeah. So, so if I say, here, God, take this. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still holding on to it. Am I a true believer? Mm-hmm. That's got to be the question. Because yeah. he's asking the true believers can be possessed. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So if the devil still has a place in my heart. Because I won't let go of this addiction. Mm-hmm. Or I won't let go of pornography. Or I won't let go of something. Mm-hmm. And we can have that sensation, that feeling that we yeah. get when we come to church. Because we all know churches these days, you know, they put on a good show, you know what I mean? And they give you the goosebumps. Yeah. And then you leave 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. Yeah. You know? So yeah, some people that that's all they they feel is uh, enough, just that feeling. But um, I had a brother tell me because I was talking to a brother about this: can the Christian be possessed and everything? I don't. I don't think so. Like as as like you said, like if you're really walking in the spirit, walking, having a change of heart, you know, we can we can be oppressed. But he's like, well, um, this really hit home with me because he's like, well, what about Christians or brothers that relapse? And you know that that's the spirit of addiction or something. And I was like, all right. I was like, I I. You know, I've been clean since I, I got saved. I've been clean a year and a half now. But these brothers that are like, Izzy, how do you do it, man? How how you've been clean over a year? And I've been walking with the Lord five years and I relapse every four or five months. Like, because you haven't really surrendered it to the Lord. No. You're holding on. And then you guys aren't, aren't taking responsibility and being held accountable when you say, oh, it's because I have a spirit of addiction. No. no, you ain't. No, you don't. You're just not giving it a... Yeah. You're not giving it to him. Yeah. You're then you don't you're not held accountable because you blame a demon or a spirit of addiction instead of recognizing that you're not willing to give it up to the Lord. And it's possible yeah. to, to let to yeah. let the addiction go. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's like uh what was it? January third just passed. March four years I've been clean. Amen, man. March four years I've been clean. I remember six months after I kicked and everything, I moved from the third floor, so from a one bedroom to the second to the first floor in the two bedroom and I was taking my bed apart you know I got a king size bed so you got the double box spring and I pulled off my mattress took it downstairs I pulled open the mattress the box spring and there was a half a gram of heroin sitting right there in between the box springs mm. you know and I got it and threw it away mm-hmm. you know why because I was really chasing after the father I was mm-hmm. really getting into his presence I was letting mm-hmm. it go I was like Lord take this I surrendered everything to him mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and so it's possible to stay clean. It's possible to give it up and remain sober. Like I won't even take a muscle relaxer. Like I messed up my ankle at work, and I'm like, I won't even take a muscle relaxer. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going back that way. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's all it takes is for me to open the door, give the devil like Hyman says a pinky toe, mm-hmm. and it's over with. It's a wrap. Mm-hmm. You know, you can stick a fork in me. Praise you know? God. Praise God that we can do that. Well, um, any other questions you have? Um, Anything you want to add before we conclude? Um, you know, I always, always, you know, when, when Grandma Barrow told me I didn't have to continue to say a prayer to come back to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, all I got to do is just pick up my cross and follow Him. You know, um, one thing that I, I tell people, you know, um, whenever I'm ministering, is is like I want you guys to come up, and if you guys really want to dedicate your life to Christ, you're willing to, to, to deny your flesh and pick up your cross and follow Him. You know, because this prayer is not going to save you. It's what you do after this prayer. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's what you do after this prayer that's going to, you know, you got to continue to deny your, your flesh. Amen. You got to continue to kill your flesh. You got to continue to get into your word. You got to continue to be a doer of the word. You got to continue to do it. You got to continue to do it every single day. Every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not the prayer that saves you. It's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. You know, and I just want people to understand that, you know. Um, I, I see it going on a lot, you know. This many people got saved, this many people got saved. But how many people are really having a change of heart? How many people are really surrendering? Have you surrendered completely today? Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, it's possible. All you got to do is get on your knees and like, Lord, I surrender. Take it from me. Take it from me, and He'll do it. If He could do it for me, and if He could do it for my brothers right here, I know He can do it for you guys. Mm-hmm. I know He can. Amen. That was beautiful. Man. Yeah, leaving it with hope at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that's what we live for is to bring you guys the hope in this podcast. And we just, you know, we pray that whatever was said today that it, it ministered in your heart. So I want to pray out real quick before we end it. So thank you, Father God, for this testimony. We thank you for the, the for the viewer, the listener, Lord Father God. We pray that that Father God, if they are struggling, if the person who's hearing this and heard Brother Danny's story can relate in a lot of ways we pray lord father god that you meet them where they're at right now show them who you are lord god bring the fire lord father god that you produce over their lives to take away anything that they're struggling with lord father god and showing them that you are there with them free them lord father god from anything that they're going through and show up, Lord Father God, like you show up in our lives. 
ravel their minds, Lord Father God. Continue to shower them with your love. Right now where you are at, just receive God's love for you, that he did die on the cross, that he did rise three days later from the dead. And everything that he said came true. And he can do it for you. Like my brother said, he did it for us. He can do it for you. So we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in on this episode. And you guys have a wonderful night. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. <laughs>